1: Good morning, and welcome to Red Sea Roundup. I'm your host, Gene Wilhelm. Today is Wednesday, April uh, 8th. 8th, thank you. (laughs) You're welcome. I have lost a lot of track of time. Uh, I have with me today on the phone, and it's going to be a little bit different because we're all sort of connected by phone except for Dennis, who's in the studio. I've got uh, Dennis in the studio. I'm in a room in my home. We've got Robin Waters, uh, I guess, somewhere up in the central part of Texas there, and we've got uh, Thaddeus Romanski. I'm guessing from a, a room in his home as well. Good morning to you, gentlemen. An undisclosed location, Gene. Good morning.
2: I, I, I want to note. I want to note that Gene was. Uh... You know, in radio land, we always have to have some uh, cushioning on the walls or we have to have some sound barrier to kind of help absorb echo. And so Gene specifically admitted to me for the first time he is in his padded room in his home. So I always (laughs) knew he probably, his wife had a padded room for him. Now I've got it confirmed.
1: It's true. (laughs) And uh, I'm I'm confined to that a lot more since we are spending a lot more time together at home. (laughs) But uh, it's it's, it's Um, very interesting. Uh, it's this very interesting time. I don't Dennis and Thaddeus. Have you done this phone thing before with uh, Red Sea, or is this the first time you've had to do this?
2: Uh, it's, the it's the third time. It's the third with, time with with some luck, and not, sometimes not as much luck. You know, it just depends on the internet speed that we're getting. So, uh, yeah, uh, right now we sound great.
1: And so, uh, just if, if you're out there, pray that uh, the show can come off just the way it ought to be. Today is the feast of Saint Julie Billard. Uh, and she was born in 1751 and died in 1816. Uh, she was like the fifth of seven children, I believe, and she enjoyed playing school and took up at age 16 job of teaching school to help support the family. And uh, her father she lived during the time of the French Revolution and her father uh, was had some problems during that and During the revolution, she hid priests in her home where she was living. And at that time, she was given a vision about a a community of women. Uh, And after this was all over, she and a few young ladies got together, and they formed the Sisters of Notre Dame de Namur. And uh, somebody who's French is better better than mine would know that. And they they do a lot of work. Huh?
0: You you said it correctly.
1: Namur. Okay, and so uh, she, uh, they are primarily into teaching, and they do some hospital, hospital and health work. So that's interesting uh, to me. The other thing I'd like to bring up uh, before we get too far, much farther along, is last month on the March eleventh, I interviewed Dan Burke uh, about his new book, uh, Spiritual Warfare and the Discernment of Spirits. And on the 17th, he was diagnosed with the coronavirus. And on the 27th, he, he was put on a ventilator, but he was put on a ventilator and uh, thought to be facing death because he had some underlying issues with his lungs. But on the 27th, he got out of the hospital. And uh, the cure uh, by Dan and a number of the medical staff, they say, was miraculous. So thank you, all of you who prayed for Dan Burke. Thanks be to and, God. Amen. Yes. Uh, the other thing I was going to talk about before I start to turn, turn it over is there are a lot of opportunities uh, for uh, attending mass via the Internet uh, these days, including the Holy Week services. In our particular house, I hook up the note, our notebook to uh, the HDMI port on the TV, and we are able to watch together that way. Uh, so there's a lot of opportunities. Uh, those of you in the Austin diocese, and go to org slash mass dot on dash the dash air to get a list of quite a few of the uh, uh, parishes that are doing that. They're not all listed there. Uh, a number, quite a few of them here in the Bryan College Station area are doing it being live stream on, stream on Facebook, and I'm not sure what they're doing up in the Waco West area. Robin? Uh,
3: they're doing a little bit of both. Some are doing Facebook Facebook Live, and then uh, some are doing live streaming. I know uh, here in West at Saint Mary's, Father Timothy is using a program called Twitch that's live streams of mass every every morning at eight thirty, and then on Saturday evening he has a Spanish mass, and then on Sunday he has a uh, has an English mass at ten. So yeah, a lot of different things.
1: now, Fatty, you were telling me a little bit before we got on the air that there are a number of special things that are going to be happening on the Red Sea group of stations come for Holy Week.
0: Yeah, Gene, thanks. Um, every Easter and Christmas, we uh, provide the special programming from EWTN uh, for those, those great seasons, and it's no different this year. In fact, it's probably um, of more comfort and help for people this year than ever before. I think since so many people are not going to be able to uh, attend mass in person. Um, So just a couple of highlights from that. It really starts on the afternoon of Holy Thursday and goes all the way through um, Sunday, uh, Easter Sunday, nine live events that we'll be, we'll be offering from EWTN. That's four liturgies from Rome are included in that and four liturgies from the Basilica of the National Shrine of the Immaculate Conception in Washington, D.C. Uh, a couple more specific highlights. Friday at 11 a.m. is a Passion Service from Rome, and then there is at 1.30, these are all central times, 1.30 p.m., uh, choral meditations in Mass from the Basilica of the National Shrine of the Immaculate Conception, Washington, D.C. So that's your, that's your Good Friday Service on the on the radio Saturday, 2 p.m. in the afternoon, you can catch the Easter Vigil live from Rome, and then at 7 p.m., closer to uh, sundown for us here in the Texas area, that same mass was from Washington D.C. And Sunday, Easter Sunday. If you want to get up at 4 a.m., you can listen live to the Vatican Easter Mass and the Pope's Orbi at Orbi message That's 4 a.m. 11 a.m. Easter Mass from Washington, D.C. And uh, let me throw in there at 9, if you want some beautiful music to listen to on Easter Sunday morning, uh, at 9 a.m. you can catch a broadcast of Joseph Hayden's Misa in Tempora Belli. Uh, and that's got, brought to you by a Catholic chorale of the Twin Cities in um, Minnesota. This is a—it's a recorded program, not not live, but but a recorded program that they they offer, uh, may, usually every year. But it's very beautiful. So those are some highlights for you to check out. Um, we'll have a more complete schedule um, on our website soon. That website uh, is. Please listen. That's org And also, I would recommend. Under resources? Is that under uh, resources? There'll probably be a a link on on the front page banner that people can click on. And then I would also recommend people to use the resources tab to go to your local parish website. And that's where you can get details about what your particular parish is doing for Holy
1: Week liturgies if you haven't already heard that. And I would mention one of the things for parishes, and that is that with no mass, collections are down and expenses are remaining pretty much the same. So if there's Mm -hmm. some way that you can donate electronically to your parish, at least at this time, it would be very helpful.
2: Definitely, indeed. Now more than ever, the parishes are suffering with with a lack of, of collections and donations, and so please don't forget about them even start a recurring monthly gift to your parish, you can do that. Many of you do that already for Red Sea Catholic Radio. We as well are uh, having to have some uh, setbacks as well of our own. And uh, one of those I think Robin was going to talk about in the Waco area. So, Robin, what kind of news do you have for those uh, that were uh, supposed to be attending our benefit dinner?
3: So as, as many of you may know, our benefit dinner is scheduled for May the 7th. And of course, that's not going to be able to happen. So we've been working on uh, finding a time that's far enough out to hopefully things will be settled down and everyone will be able to come in and and enjoy a great meal and a great speaker and some fellowship together. We've uh, ended up on the date of October the 8th. So on the evening of Thursday, October the 8th, uh, the uh, benefit dinner for KYAR in Waco is going to be held at Sacred Heart at their parish activity center just as it was planned. Father Albert Haas will still be our keynote speaker. Uh, everything was able to be transferred to that day. So it's basically, actually, it's exactly six months from today.
2: Yeah, how about that? So
3: uh, God willing, we will uh, we'll pull it off then. And first, I want to also thank all of those who have already purchased tickets, especially those groups that have purchased tables, because uh, one of the things that, uh, that comes up as we just talked about parishes struggling during times when people aren't there. Our benefit dinner is one of our. It's a good. It's a very good portion of our annual budget. So, since we're having to move it, it's. uh, It could be. It could be a problem on the on the uh, with the radio station, right, Dennis?
2: It could be. We're uh, having to stretch to pay some bills. We're having to hold off to pay some bills as well. So, um, we're we're looking into assistance and aid as it's available locally and nationally. But uh, we certainly could use an uptick in in donations that are monthly, one time donations. Go through our website at RedCRadio dot org. That's Red the letter C radio.org. and you can click on the donate button if you want to support great Catholic programming over the FM airwaves in Palestine, Central Texas, or the Brazos Valley.
3: And what I'm going to be doing here in the next uh, me- once I get caught up with some uh, some assignments, I need to I need to uh, complete. Uh, I, I'm I'll, some of you will be getting phone calls from me if you've already bought tickets, just to let, you know, I want to make sure, you know, the new date, and thank you for, uh, for what you've already done. And for those of you that may have attended before, I'll probably give you a call to see if, uh, you may want to go ahead and just purchase that ticket now. And that would help us out in our, uh, in our funding. I think about half of our benefit dinner money comes from the purchase of the tickets and about half comes from those uh, that attend that Correct. decide to make a donation while they're there so uh, if we're able to at least bring some of those funds in now that will alleviate some of the possible difficulties that we that we may may have in paying the bills that Dennis just mentioned yeah so uh, we, well thank we you thank Robin you so much for uh, anything
2: appreciate all your work there in the central Texas area Gene, what else do you have for uh, the listeners here in this first in this last two minutes of our first last part of the two show
1: minutes? yep well I I was going to tell them that when we come back, we're going to have Father Ryan Higdon as my guest, and he's going to be talking about the Lewis Reichert School in Waco, among other things. And some of you know who he is, and some of you don't. If you listen on Mondays at 11, you will know who Father Ryan is. And I don't have a whole lot else. What else have we got going on with Red Sea at this time?
2: No, we're just was hunkering down and working from home, and I'm working some from the studio and uh, trying to maintain uh, business as usual. We're uh, trying to support the churches as best as we can. We've got a lot of educational resources we've put out there on a regular basis, not only about the pandemic, but about spiritual communion. Uh, Thaddeus had a quick reflection. We've got about a minute and a half. Did you want to read that reflection during this time? Yeah,
0: thanks, Dennis. I'd love to. Um, this is from Bishop Fulton Sheen, a reflection that he offers to us on the tabernacle. And I think that's useful for us to to hear uh, because Jesus is there in the tabernacle, even though we're stuck at home. If Christ is to be our food and our life, it is fitting that he be with us, for it is of the nature of life to be localized and definite. The plant life that is the food of the animal does not dwell on some distant planet, and neither does Christ, who is the food of the soul. Dwell apart from us like an absentee landlord. He is with us. He is here. He has a dwelling. The tabernacle is now de facto the localization of life, and it is there and there only that the downcast eyes of sin find wealth of purging tears. Only there that the longings of hope are uplifted to look beyond the veil. Only there that the scourged heart that bleeds and bleeds afresh at last breaks its silence in answer to the invitation, child, give me thy heart
2: beautiful reflection pray pray with this
0: christ in the tabernacle even though we're stuck at home he wants our prayers and our presence
2: that's exactly right and if you can go and pray in front of the tabernacle as robin says jesus's power is not limited by the doors on the tabernacle go see him and we'll be right back to see you after the break
1: Welcome back to Red Sea Roundup. I'm your host, Gene Wilhelm, and I have with me now my guest, Father Ryan Higdon, uh, from St. Louis Catholic Church in Waco. And uh, some of you may know who who he is. You probably have heard him on Everyday Catholics with Alyssa Trutter. Good morning, Father Ryan. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing fine, and you're doing a lot better than you were recently, aren't you? Yes, yes. I was... uh... Let's
4: easy to say up front. I did not have COVID, but I definitely had a bad case of
1: flu, so I was
4: I was down for a few days with all of the same symptoms. So and that's been kinda of scary. Yeah. Well, you know, praise the Lord. I, I did not have COVID and um you know, I'm just happy to be up and out and and uh walking among the living, so I
1: just for general information how does uh, self isolation or uh, feel? I mean, <laughs> were you basically I, in your room at the rectory, and that was it?
4: Yeah, I was just. I had. I have a, a sitting room and a bedroom, and I was kind of locked up in the sitting room and bedroom for three days. And let me tell you this: I am uh, very confident in my vocation that I am not a monk. <laughs> like that was clear <laughs> for me. <laughs> <laughs> I could have told you that without having you get get sick. <laughs> <laughs> like I was going, I'm an introvert, but not that much of an introvert. So,
1: Well, I think the definition of an introvert that I've heard that makes the most sense to me is that an introvert is somebody that although uh, they may be able to be out in public with a lot of people, they need time to recharge their batteries uh, in some alone time. So that probably is better description of introvert than any I've heard.
4: Well, I was ready to discharge
1: and ready to go and move and be about and spend <laughs> well, my we're energy. Going talk, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, St. Louis uh, School there attached to, uh, or to, to Bishop Riker's School attached to St. Louis. And uh, I, as, as I was preparing for this, uh, I thought it was really interesting that the last three assignments that I know you've had have been directly related to education. Uh, I think the, the the first one I knew about you was over at St. Joseph's in Bryan that has an elementary and a high school. And then you spent, what was it, two two or more years at St. Mary's, uh, which ministers to college students. And then you get transferred to St. Louis in, in Waco that at that time had only an elementary school attached to it. Uh, do you think that your previous assignments helped prepare you for what had to come at st. Louis
4: oh absolutely I mean uh, being assigned to st. Joseph the uh, one one of the few parishes in the entire state if not the known diocese that has a high school uh, K through twelve uh, part of its system being able to be under the wonderful leadership and guidance of uh, Monsignor John and uh, watching him those three years and then uh, seeing the uh, further education in college and how to reach college students at St. Mary's for three years, which is just, I mean, of course, a wonderful experience and getting more and more involved with the radios there. And and then here, um, we now have a K through 12. So my joke is I've never been assigned as a priest. I've never been assigned to a parish that didn't have a football team. I mean, I don't know what to do if my, <laughs> my, my church doesn't have a football team. So I just, that's That'll be a new experience well, for me if the bishop ever moves me
1: to someplace without a school. Well, you may get that opportunity this year, uh, <laughs> uh, with all that's going on. Uh, so you you were prepared to go to St. Louis, but then there's things that weren't prepared as well. Uh, just for for our uh, our listeners that maybe don't know you very well, uh, what is your family background and education? Were you in Catholic schools the whole time you were going to? as you were uh, growing up? No, I, uh,
4: I had some Catholic education early on. Um, so from uh, kindergarten through around third grade was in a Catholic school. And then uh, my parents moved around a bunch, and uh, they kept me in public schools from that point on. But then I went into the seminary after graduating high school. And, of course, uh, within Catholic education all throughout my seminary career. So my entire higher, higher level edu- education, uh, bachelor's degrees and master's degrees, were uh, obviously in Catholic institutions. So um, I've spent the majority of my life in Catholic education now at this point. So it's kind of uh, interesting to uh, to give back what I have received.
1: Well, that's, that's interesting. Uh, and then somehow or other, in all of this, After you were ordained, you got involved in radio with Red Sea Radio. How did that happen?
4: (laughs) Uh, We, uh, uh, Dennis um, asked me, hey, would you like to do a show for us? Uh, And I I think I gave him the cold shoulder for a few months, uh, if not weeks. It's all foggy. And and then he kept pushing me um, gently. And so I brought it to my spiritual director, and I brought it to my – uh, pastor at the time, Monsignor John, and uh, they both were not just uh, like, well, maybe you can do it. They, Father John or Monsignor John, was like, no, you need to do this. And so, uh, under obedience from my pastor, I, I started um, the radio show and were um, thinking about it. And I, at the very beginning, knew I couldn't do it on my own. I wasn't going to be able to fill the airwaves on my own. Um, but I needed to be balanced, and I kept thinking of. What would be a good show where there was balance, where there was rapport? And I knew I needed somebody who had no problem uh, bringing me down a notch or two or poking, in, poking fun at me. And uh, the youth minister at our parish, we had kind of started having, you know, kind of a, a joking relationship. And uh, so I asked her to join, and uh, she said yes. And so. It's fun because she comes from a lay background, obviously, um, and she has a master's degree in theology and does youth ministry uh, and has done for many years. And uh, we built this kind of just friendship on the radio, and it's mm-hmm. been it's been fun to to continue to give. And the show's been the show Everyday Catholics has gone through about five iterations. It used to be an hour long live broadcast on Fridays. During drive time. And uh, as my ministry increased, as Alyssa's ministry and youth uh, increased, um, and I went to St. Mary's, we kept just playing with it and toying with it. We used to have all kinds of bits, and now we kind of have hit our stride um, in terms of what the show is about and, and what we do. Um, so we're really proud with the product, but we're also realizing that uh, as things change in our lives, we may have to change some more uh, around the show. But uh, we're hoping to keep it moving and keep it, keep it alive for Red Sea and for the benefit of the ministries and Diocese of Austin and wherever the radio takes us.
1: Well, something that you said there really strikes a chord with me that for all of us, uh, whether we are lay or uh, in the religious life one way or another, that our life changes and we need to adjust the way in which we live our life as that life changes and that's just something that God expects of us, that, that maybe even the ministry will totally change sometime because of the uh, circumstances of our life changes. Have uh, you found that to be the case?
4: <laughs> Absolutely. And what the show is now and what my ministry is now is completely different from when I began as a first-year priest. Uh, and that's a blessing. Um, and if I'd stayed the same uh, as I was seven years ago when I started the show, uh, what a tragedy. Um, that would be me missing out on grace. The idea is that our hearts should magnify the Lord, that we should grow, uh, that we should become new wineskins, if you will, to, to use the Scripture passages, and,
1: and that the Lord change whatever is stony
4: in our hearts to what is fleshy.
1: Well, i going back to using that, uh, that image. The one that I usually use is the one where, uh, where the prophet was told to go down to see the potter, and that the potter, when the pot didn't turn out quite the way the potter wanted to the potter pushed it down and started over again. And, and if we allow ourselves, if we are a pot and we allow that pot to be fired, there's no way that anything can change. So it the, the hardness of our hearts and the hardness of the way we approach life uh, doesn't allow for God to make changes in our life and adjustments that are necessary.
4: Mm-hmm no argument for me. And, and being malleable and, uh, receptive is really Mary. Um, one of the things we, we've asked Mary to be a patron patroness of our show. and we try to just be responsive to the Holy Spirit. Um, sometimes that's frustrating because we don't know what our next topic is going to be, but, um, we, uh, we try to take input from our Our one listeners is what we call the people who listen to the show, and we hope that they're continuing to be fed by the show and what it is and what it is and not. Um, I know it's fed uh, uh, me particularly, and I hope it feeds
1: everybody who listens to it. Now, when when you were asked to be – well, I think your first year you were an administrator at St. Louis – and then became pastor after a year. But when you were asked to go to St. Louis to be the the, the administrator or pastor there, was there any intimidation on your part, uh, knowing that there was a school there? Because most, most priests, when they get their first pastoral assignment, don't have a, a parish that has a school attached. So that might have been <laughs> intimidating.
4: Uh, it would have been if I had not had just three wonderful years over at St. Joseph,
1: and... Um, From
4: the very beginning, I kind of knew what it was like to swim in those waters. Uh, Did I know everything? Oh, my goodness, no. Uh, I've learned, uh, I I feel like I have an MBA of School of Hard Knocks uh, from the last two years now of uh, running the business side of the school and the parish. Uh, I kind of knew what it was to be a chaplain, because uh, Monsignor John would Kind of send me off to the school and to be with the, the students and the teachers. But it's the other side, the, uh, the HR side, that I had to learn a lot around. And uh, it's been fun. And uh, hopefully, the diocese and help, help, you know, wonderfully, the diocese has kept me from making too many mistakes. And the Lord and His providence has kept and guided me through uh, the rest. So it's, you, if you're willing to say, I don't know what is next and I don't know how to do that and ask for help. It's amazing what you can do.
1: <laughs> oh, uh, some of us need to learn that a lot more, Father Ryan. <laughs> uh, for those of you uh, that are just tuned in, I've got Father Ryan Higdon as my guest today on Red Sea Roundup, and he is the pastor of St. Louis Catholic Church in Waco, and he has responsibility for the uh, Bishop Reichert school that's attached to that parish. Uh, Tell us a little bit about St. Louis itself, the parish, uh, and, and its history, and the, the composition of the of the uh, congregation of the parish. Uh, is it just a typical parish, or is it an old parish, or a re- relatively new parish? What? It's
4: a um, old parish by our diocese standards. It was founded in 1960. Um, it was founded under uh, an old Monsignor, and then uh, the Monsignor everybody knows is Monsignor Mark Deering, became the uh, uh, the longtime pastor. Uh, he was pastor for something like 40-something years, and uh, he left his mark on the parish. It's a blend of what I would say is, is kind of think about it like in terms of Saint, uh, if those of you who are listening and are very familiar with the Bryan College Station area, it's like if you blended St. Joseph, in St. Anthony's together, in the sense that it's got the old, uh, I've been around for a long time kind of feeling, uh, from uh, the long time established parishioners, there's many uh, generations, but the sense that the neighborhood around has changed a lot, and so a lot of people drive in to the parish from all over Waco, uh, so they have a, a familial connection to the parish and so we uh, have a lot of commuters to our parish and in the sense that's a lot like st Anthony's uh, people who drive in to go to church there but it's got the old feel like st Anthony's and st. Joseph with the school and uh, the neighborhood around is is different and so we're reaching out to uh, the, the community there in this in, in the immediate neighborhood as it's also going through a demographic shift back Um, so the whole city is being revitalized here, the city of Waco, of course, because of the previously good economy two weeks and less, two months ago. And, uh, the whole Magnolia craze, uh, has sparked a lot of tourism and and things like that. So, uh, it's a, it's a wonderful parish. And we, of course, the big thing that everybody knows about St. Louis besides our school, Bishop Louis Riker is uh, we have the TV Mass, which you can pick up in Bryan College Station. So at 9.30 a.m. on the CW, we broadcast live. So that's kind of one of the hallmarks of of our parish is our TV ministry.
1: So that would be another resource for someone uh, who uh, is in either the Waco area or the Bryan College Station area that has cable. They could go to the CW station and pick it up.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then uh, the the local channel carries a rebroadcast at 6.30 a.m. of the previous Sunday. So we, we're on the air twice a Sunday, um, just filling and offering what we can to the people of God. Uh, it's always been there, but especially during this crisis with COVID-19, it's been especially valuable um, to the greater Waco and Bryan College Station area.
1: And also, if I remember correctly, uh, the there is a uh, I don't know, but it 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 can be streamed not live but streamed from a website that that Perry has as well. Is that not correct, or is that?
4: Yeah. Well, we we also um, yeah we've since the new crisis with uh, COVID nineteen, we've taken the same broadcast that was sent to um, the TV station. We now put it on Facebook. And um, every week we also have just the homily is separated from the entire mass, if you will. So you can just watch okay. uh, the homily
1: on our website every week. And the homilies are worth watching. I can tell you from experience. <laughs> You're too good. We have we have um, a uh, we have a wonderful
4: associate named Father Edwin Pagu, which I'm sure many of you are familiar with that name. So he's uh, offering lots of wisdom for our people.
1: Tell us a little bit about the history of the uh, elementary school attached to St. Louis. Um, the, the parish itself was founded by Bishop Louis Reichert, right? Correct? I mean, he, yeah, he's the so, one that established the parish, and he's the yeah, one that so it named goes, it, if I recall.
4: Right. So it all goes back to uh, 1954, when, um, or actually further back. If, if you're familiar with University of St. Thomas, uh, the Bazillion Fathers— uh, went down there and founded the university. But previous to that, in Waco, they had a little college, um, and it was on this campus that we're currently on, which is why our, our property is so big. And uh, so they ceded that property to the diocese, and in 1950, when they left, and then in 1954, uh, Bishop Lewis Riker founded a high school. Um, as an empty property, so he just built a high school there with the people of God and Waco funding it, and they named it Waco Catholic. And then just a few short years later, he uh, renames it because, and this is uh, all all hearsay, but it it, it does match up, because they had a problem with getting non-Catholics to go to school there because There was a lot of misunderstandings, if you will, and people who were not open to a Catholic school in the Baptist town. And so they renamed it Riker High School. after He renamed it after himself. And then four years later, he founded uh, St. Louis Catholic School and Church, or Church and School, and he said openly at the time that although the church was named in honor of St. Louis King of France, but that he himself was the namesake. So he named the high school after himself and he named the parish after himself and he did it again in Austin. So there's another St. Louis in North Austin.
1: Same thing. St. Louis King of France there
4: in Austin. Yep. And he named that in honor of St. Louis King of France, but after himself,
1: some people could think of that as a little prideful,
4: uh, I think it was a different era, and he had no problem leaving a legacy. I'll just put it that way. He uh, he he was known for living uh, loudly, if you will. Uh, there's a famous story of him uh, when he was he went to Vatican II, of course, as a bishop. Uh, he did not want to drive without his own Cadillac, so he shipped his own Cadillac to Rome, so he could drive a big, wide Cadillac in the streets of Rome because he wanted to be comfortable. In his own car, so uh, just just a little bit of a loud personality, uh, but he so did a lot he, of good for the people of God.
1: He must have been born Texan. Yeah. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about the school itself, uh, the, the the elementary school, which is is what you which was uh, what you were most you, when you signed up for the parish. You signed up for the elementary school. I take it. I didn't don't take it. You didn't know that you were going to have the high school as well.
4: No, no. The bishop told me to take care of the schools, and, uh, uh, and I dove in, and we started getting—I got a, got used to the elementary school over the first six months and lo- found out all, all of its strengths and its uh, charisms and what God was doing with that time. And uh, so I just loved the community, and, and as we got into that, I also— um, time at the high school because even though it was run by the diocese at the time it, it really was to the school's benefit the, the stronger the ties and the unity between them um, so I went to all the football games that 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 last almost two falls ago and uh, just dove into the communities and uh, and just spent a lot of time listening and and hearing what what was people's concerns and what people, uh, their joys and their sorrows. Um, and there's a lot of tradition and a lot of, uh, kind of well-founded and if you will, uh, holy pride and, and the sense of, uh, this is ours and ownership and, 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 and kind of honoring the past. So I was happy to be asked and humbled to be asked to be a part of that story and that legacy.
1: So so uh as a school transferred from under diocesan control to parish control did that that increase your responsibility as well did it not by about twofold <laughs>
4: uh so we have the parish we have a mission church um, we have the high we have the elementary school and then the high school um for those of you who are not in the educational field uh I'm not saying I'm an expert in this by any means, uh, but a high school is about two and a half times the effort, energy, um, time, uh, resources, money, everything than an elementary school. Uh, so it's just, you can have half the students for twice the workload, uh, comparative to an elementary school to a high school. And so there was, uh, there was a lot of, uh, care that was needed for the high school and a lot of attention. And uh, there had been, uh, 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 yeah, just put it this way. There was a lot of opportunity to be had at the high school. And so um, even though I had been around, I had not been inside, if you will. Um, I'd physically been inside, but it's one thing to see something from the outside and to, to assess it. And then an entirely different thing to dive in and to be a part of the family and to live and breathe it. So again, I spent some more time living and breathing in the high school and getting to know the staff there. And it it didn't double my staff, but it significantly increased it. And so getting to know people and getting to know the ins and outs and the communities. And uh, the problem is over the last 40 years, there have been times of great uh, collaboration between the elementary school and the high school. And there have been times of little to no communication. Uh, recently, the communication had been good, but not too far in the past, the collaboration had been pretty bad. And so uh, you could, there was lots of signs of that. There was a fence between the two. There was gates between the two. There was uh, lots of barriers, uh, them and us kind of mentality. And so we spent a lot of time being present to that. So my time, exponential in terms of what I, what I had to offer and and do and then at the same time we also had the capital campaign going on. So I was a bit spread and I was like too little butter over too much bread.
1: <laughs> yeah, but some people like their bread greasy. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us a little bit about the school itself as as it operates. How many students do you have on each side, Father Ryan? We
4: have uh we don't we don't like to say on either side, uh so we we have just under three hundred Four uh, hundred ish, so total k through twelve, it is one school now, and that was one of the things we 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 look back to our past and we're trying to magnify the legacy. And so we uh, we have one school, Bishop Lewis Riker, and uh, it's around four hundred students, and we're aiming to be in the next five to six years, we're aiming to not double it but get up into the six to seven hundred range. Uh, that would be my goal, that would be my dream. Um, you've got to have big lofty goals if you're going to move the ball. So, um, that's what we're trying to get up to. Um, if in recent past, just five, six years ago, uh, the total enrollment of the, the school, if you're them would have been about five hundred fifty, six hundred. 600. So I don't think it's unreasonable given, uh, our recent past. And so mm-hmm. one of, we're doing lots of initiatives to kind of get enrollment up and to let people know, that uh, all that they loved about the schools is still there and that there's more to offer and more to fall in love with going forward.
1: So you have the physical plant sufficient to uh, to support the growth? Absolutely.
4: And, you know, one of the things I love saying to the community is like, I, I can't wait for the day that you're begging me to build another building. Uh, so I want it to be full. I want it to be bursting. And not just because there's more numbers and that sounds good but because those are souls and if we go back just to to our uh, christmas mass it's for zeal of souls that we do all things and there's a wonderful opportunity in having someone for 12 years in an education system where you can really form the heart and the soul to fall in love with what is good, true and beautiful and if you can remove uh, anything that's distracting then What an opportunity. What a way to accompany. We talk uh, about—Pope Francis talks about accompaniment. Well, that's discipleship. And what if our schools were discipleship centers? And so that's
1: my hope, my dream, is the new evangelization in Catholic education. And that that new evangelization not only is to evangelize Catholics— but to promote Catholicism as something that's attractive to those who are not Catholic. Is that correct?
4: Well, absolutely. We have lots of conversions from, uh, you know, non-Catholics who send their kids to the school, or why don't we say uh, in, inactive Catholics who send their kids to the school. The kids are, are just falling in love with Jesus, and they keep coming home, and they're talking about the things that they're learning, and the parents are uh, uh, going, well, wait a minute. They start looking into it themselves. And that's, that's when things get fun. When you kind of have that um, Pentecost moment, that, that snowball down the hill where you get the child in love with Jesus Christ and that child begins to bring that home and the, and the parents and the rest of the family go, tell me more. And, and that's exciting for us as administration, for us, uh, for me as a priest, as a pastor, well, that means that that they're truly becoming disciples, whether they realize it
1: or not. And that's a good thing to do, because if you told them you were making them disciples, they would probably rebel. <laughs> yeah, well,
4: that's, that's the thing. It's, uh, there's an old saying in ministry with uh, rules without relationship breeds rebellion. And one of the things I think in the past— and Days of yore, even when I was in Catholic education and
1: in third grade, it was
4: all about rules and no relationship. Mm. And so we spent a lot of time on just getting in other kids. That's why campus ministry is so important at Bishop Lewis Riker. We want that relationship where the kids feel free to argue and be angry. Um, and it's from that place of knowing that they're not rejected that they can actually dialogue on things and, and grow with each other in the mystical body of
1: Christ. and and opening their hearts and others to what, what is possible. I think it's uh, Pope Francis. One of the first things I remember that he said was that the first thing we need to do is evangelize people to Jesus Christ and then evangelize them to the church.
4: Absolutely. No
1: argument there. I can argue with a Pope. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, My guest today is, uh, Father Ryan Higdon, the pastor of St. Louis Catholic Church in Waco. And we're talking about the Bishop Louis Riker School that's attached to uh, St. Louis Church. Uh, you, you've talked a lot about this, the religious aspects, but it, uh, the, uh, the uh, secular education, if you will, or the typical education that you could get in any school is is really top-notch, and some things have happened over the last year that make that even better. And would you like to discuss those a little bit? Oh,
4: you bet. So we, when we looked at um, our school and we said, well, what are its strengths and what are its weaknesses? One of the common uh, critiques of our school was uh, the curriculum. Now, and we people wanted to know if it was excellent and we needed some kind of outside verification of that, and also outside help with that. Um, and so I asked the Lord to send us partners. It's it's amazing when you ask the Lord open-endedly, hey, I need help. Send me help in this area. And God does not disappoint. And so I wish I could take credit for the connection, but um, through providence and grace and through relationships with others, uh, we were connected with the University of Dallas. Now, you may not be familiar with the University of Dallas. It's a small liberal arts school, but it's Catholic to the core. It's, uh, it's,
1: it's fiercely, probably one of the probably one of the three most Catholic universities in the country. I would guess. Yes,
4: they're so good, and I'm alum, but um, they're they're very very orthodox, very very traditional, and uh, they're they're known for what's called traditional Catholic education, or sometimes called classical education. And so we started in a dialogue with them, and we announced uh, a partnership with them that is uh, groundbreaking. Uh, So there's no other kind of partnership like this in the nation that we can tell. And there's a couple elements to it that make it completely groundbreaking. The first one is that the University of Dallas will ensure, implement, and, uh, and oversee a new curriculum that is unified K through 12. Uh, and so what that means is what you learn in first grade builds all the way to 12, but more than that, it's actually K and beyond. So we're kind of a K to university school in that the university is, has its hand in every element of our education. Um, and then, uh, because teachers are probably the, they are the most important, crucial element of any educational experience. Uh, they're going to also provide ongoing professional development for all of our teachers. So these university professors in education are going to be showing up and helping our teachers learn uh, not just the the traditional Catholic education model or classical, but they're going to help our teachers with best practices that any teacher needs to always kind of learn, just like a priest should continue to learn. Uh, But then this is probably one of my favorite parts, is to, they're going to also give their teachers an opportunity to uh, earn advanced degrees in their fields. Um, and then our students will be essentially uh, given access to summer academic programs and, and camps and uh, also the academic resources of the university. So it's as if our students will be co-enrolled, if you will. Not technically, but they'll be given access to libraries and... And then they're also, and this is the star of the agreement, is they have preferred admission to the University of Dallas once they graduate. So we really are now a K to university school. We're still independent, we're not run by the university, we're in partnership with them. And uh, it's, again, completely groundbreaking in the sense that we maintain our independence, but that we are, you know, hand in hand with the university.
1: And it doesn't hurt that relationship at all that the current president at the University of Dallas has a strong Waco connection. Yes,
4: yes, he used to be Dean Hibbs uh, of the uh, the classical department at the University of Baylor, and now he is the president of the University of Dallas. So he's uh, he's familiar, and he had kids attend our schools, and uh, so he's very happy to partner with us. And we believe that if we we figure this out over the next two years, as we implement the curriculum, uh, you can't just throw everything out and put something new in. We're going to graft the new uh, curriculum in slowly. Uh, that once we f- we figure this out, this is completely replicable like you can you can do this again in other places uh with relative ease
1: once we work out all the kinks that's great uh, changing the subject a little bit the the whole covid-19 thing sort of put a kink in that did it not and and everything that has to do with bishop lewis Riker school
4: well <laughs> One of the beautiful things about having a private school is that we can pivot much faster uh, than, say, an uh, independent school district. Not because the independent school district isn't filled with creative and wonderful individuals, but it's when you have that many things and that big of an institution, it's hard to, to move. Within uh, just a few days, we went to online education. Our kids have been uh, – they missed only a few days of school. They've been doing distance learning. And our teachers just have responded in beautiful fashion and we've got all kinds of interaction with the students and the kids and social media has exploded and, and at the same time uh, we um, we're using this time on the physical plant to reset for next school year almost already, where we're saying, Okay, we're we're doing recite, we're doing all new signings for the new name of Bishop Lewis Riker and we're we're getting ready for uh, a beautiful homecoming and the curriculum work on the back side on the back end is still being done so we are we're moving forward with uh, as just as much speed as before the the question now is uh, how many people want to join us for the adventure how many people want to sign up for the to to join uh, the beautiful adventure of growing, not just in number and size, but in holiness and wisdom.
1: And how would somebody go about doing that? Let's say that there's a parent that's listening that's within driving distance of Bishop uh, Lewis Riker School and say, this is something I want to investigate. How would that parent go about doing that?
4: Wonderful question. So you just go to bishopricker.com, and you can you can go to you know enrollment and we are now doing virtual tours of the school and Becky Chalette, our admissions director, is just as active and working with parents who would like to see the school but can't come because of all of the COVID things. We are bending over backwards to really make ourselves available to the entire community regardless of circumstance. So uh we're, we're happy to tell the story, and we're happy to share the graces of what the Lord's doing here at uh, St. Louis Church and Bishop Louis Riker. One of the things I'm very fond of saying, and I'm growing in, in understanding of it myself, is that Jesus Christ loves this parish and this school more than we do. And we just need to open our hearts to how much he wants to bless us. And I think that's true for every parish. He loves your parish more than you do, and that's kind of crazy it, to say. <laughs> but he loves you more than you do, and
0: so if we just right. really
4: open our our hearts to that, what what can happen? What can happen when we allow ourselves to dream?
1: Okay. What I know, I've looked at your tuition schedule, and it it seems reasonable compared to the tuitions other places. Uh, what about the the family that maybe would like to attend? But just flat does not have the financial resources to do it, to pay that. Is there is there a way that that the diocese or someone else is able to help support that?
4: Absolutely, fear should never be a barrier to entrance into a Catholic school. Catholic education is for everyone. It doesn't matter your denomination. It doesn't matter your capacity. Catholic education is for you. I work. Really hard to fundraise so that students of of every means can come, we have a lot of, of money available for those who might need financial assistance and it's it's not first come first serve but it's 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 almost is so if you are you're wondering like I really want to be a part of that, call Becky and my president and principal will work with you uh, we will We'll try to do our best to get you in the school we want you to be a part of our family uh, and and the money side we we'll, we'll, we will it'll be teamwork
1: okay that's great okay now let's change uh, subjects a little bit more let's say there's someone uh, who has a say a Catholic school or wanting to start a Catholic school that's listening are you are there people at Bishop Lewis Riker school who are willing to discuss what's happening there? Because obviously there's a lot of excitement in your voice about what's happening. And so are, are you at a position already to where you can share what's going on? <laughs>
4: yeah. As long as people admit that, you know, uh, uh, we're, we're, we're a chef in a messy kitchen, so don't expect a beautiful uh, kitchen, expect a beautiful product. So <laughs> we're, we're, we're in the midst of it and we're happy to share what we know. um, But we're also happy to share where we have uh, made mistakes. And uh, if you want to come and be a part of the adventure more than happy to, Uh, I can't speak for the university and what they're willing to do, but um, we're willing to share what we have, uh, what we've experienced and what we have our hopes and dreams for.
1: Uh, We're about to run out of time, I believe. Uh, What, What is a message that you would really want to give to our listeners, Father Ryan, uh, about Catholic education and what's happening at St. Louis Parish there in Waco and Bishop Louis Riker School that we haven't talked about?
4: I think the the simplest thing for me as a pastor is uh, don't be afraid to trust. Trust God that he can take care of you, um, that he can take care of the parish, That he can take care of your child. One of the greatest uh, things of the enemy of our hearts, the devil, is he he gets us to think too much about our past and our future, and then it paralyzes our present. And that's the work of the enemy. And nothing's been perfect, but everything's been better since I have begun to just trust the Lord with my plans, with my dreams, and with my fears, and, my, and ask the Lord to be merciful. And so all I would invite everybody who's listening is, if you, you want things to change in your life, trust God with your past and your future,
1: and He'll change your current moment. Uh, the past is behind us, and and all of us have our prodigal son moment where God comes and uh, reaches out to us despite what we've done.
2: Well, Gene, I'm going to jump in here because I've got the timer in front of me. Father Ryan, what an incredible interview. I just wanted to see if you could give a uh, quick hint to the website so they could find out more about the school and then a quick blessing to end the show.
4: Absolutely. So the website is Bishop Bishop Riker, uh, and it is... uh, it's pretty easy to find, so just, uh, just type in Bishop Riker, and it'll pop right up. And I'd offer my blessing, and may Almighty God bless you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.